Welcome to the No Shame on You podcast, where we talk to mental health professionals, educators, and advocates. No Shame on You is a 501c3 organization dedicated to eliminating the stigma associated with mental health conditions and raising awareness. Our goal is for people who need help to seek it, for family members and friends to know how to provide proper support and to save lives. Now, here's your host, No Shame on You's founder and president, Miriam Ament. Welcome to the 13th podcast of No Shame on You, an organization dedicated to eliminating the stigma associated with mental health conditions and raising mental health awareness. My name is Miriam Ament, and I am the founder and president of No Shame on You. Today, we are so excited to be joined by Dana Altman, author of Bake It Till You Make It, Breaking Bread, Building Resilience. In her book, Dana shares her own mental health journey and reaches out to her network for recipes, mental health guidance, and tips. Hi, Dana. So great to have you on our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I know. We're so excited to have you here. Um, So after reading your book, I'd like to start just by asking what what your background is, where did you grow up, where did you go to school, et cetera, stuff stuff, stuff like that. Sure. So um, as you so beautifully introduced me, uh, my name is Dana. I am from a small town in Massachusetts. Um, I have lived in the Boston area my whole life. Um, I went to Northeastern University um, and studied human services and psychology, uh, mainly inspired by my own mental health journey and those who um, I met along the way. I then went back to Northeastern after spending some time in the uh, human services and mental health field to get my master's degree in public health. Um, Yes, as I said, back in Northeastern, double husky. um, And now I currently work at Girls Inc. of Lynn in Lynn, Massachusetts. And um, yeah, so still in still in the Massachusetts area, still very much connected to my alma mater, Northeastern, um, still close by to the my hometown. So um, yeah, that's that's a little bit about me. A big background in human services, uh, mostly with youth, um, youth work, whether it's um, youth in the mental health setting. Um, I've worked in residential treatment centers. Um, now, as I said, working at Girls Inc., so more of a nonprofit setting. Uh, but I think almost all of my, my work has been um, treating treating or supporting youth um, in my community. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. And it sounds like you, you really like what you're, what you're doing now. Oh, I love it. Yes. Um, it's, you know, what I'm doing now really uh, in my current job description, I don't really work too closely in uh, with anything in particular mental health related, but being around the young girls, girls in high school, knowing uh, the support that I wish I had, uh, being able to provide that and hopefully kind of uh, working to secretly destigmatize uh, the mental health issues um, is really important to me. Awesome. Right. As, as is evidenced in your book. So speaking of that, um, (laughs) um, can you share with us um, what you want to share? I know it's in your book of your Mm -hmm. mental health journey and what led you to come up with the idea for this amazing book. Sure. So um, I like to say that my life was pretty normal until I went to college. Um, I grew up in a very high achieving town where everyone did everything. Um, People were playing sports and musicals, singing in choir at church or uh, synagogue. Uh, So perfection was really the norm. Um, And I don't think that outside of my community, I I really recognized that 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 wasn't normal. I think to me that felt so normal. Um, Everyone in my community went to college, uh, really great schools. And um, I think the pressure 
from living in that community was was really really high and the pressure that I put on myself was even was even more so um but I didn't really recognize what I was struggling with was anything related to mental health issues I don't even think I really knew about mental health at, at that point um I was a dancer growing up, so I always kind of had some um, food rituals, uh, a lot of concern about my own body, body image, but never anything that um, I felt was a problem or could be quantified as disordered eating. Um, but so, some little little challenges. Um, but in, until I went to college, I, I pretty much kind of managed what I was what I was going through, or, or I thought I was. Um, but when I got to college, that was being in a totally new environment with, um, without really a support system, without my parents, without uh, the comfort that the things that I found comforting to my anxiety and how I was kind of controlling it. I was in high school and living at home um, didn't work anymore. And um, I ended up having my first like full-blown panic attack at school during the first week of school. And I didn't know what was happening to me. I thought, uh, I was dying. Um, I had no idea how to control it or really um, any insight. Luckily, I did do an early start program at the college that I first attended um, and met some great friends who were really well-versed in, in their own mental health journeys and had already set up the counseling center. So um, I was brought there by them and was quickly diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and uh, major depression, which, as I said, you know, I'm sure was was really bubbling before college, but I just I didn't have the words or the knowledge yet um, to kind of put that together. And while I was really anxious, um, even though I was re receiving treatment at that point, I, I started going to therapy and taking medication. Um, I had lost a lot of weight due to the anxiety. So one thing that um, is really kind of something that has brought me a lot of anxiety throughout my life and something I still struggle with is um, this, this specific phobia. So I have a fear of vomit and um, the phobia has kind of, you know, come and go, come and go sometimes depending on how anxious I am. But at that point with the anxiety um, kind of brewing and feeling really nauseous all the time, I really wasn't eating because um, getting sick was, was just my worst fear. And phobia. So I ended up, as I said, losing a lot of weight. And the feedback that I got from friends and family um, was just was so positive, And I felt really worthy and loved uh, because of my new body. So um, that but that quickly spiraled into a full blown eating disorder by the end of my freshman year of college. Um, I ended up seeking out treatment that summer, I was in the place to to be able to ask for it, which is is not um, super common, as, as you probably know that usually when those are seeking out treatment, it's not kind of some a, a choice. But for me, it was. Um, and I went to a partial program for my eating disorder. I don't think I was really ready at that point to engage in treatment. Um, I didn't really know what to expect. And not being able to use food as a coping skill was really, really hard. And I don't think I was really open to um, kind of learning anything else at that point. I, I think in the moment, it felt really real to me and not something that um, that even felt doable, learning how to cope without restricting food. Um, but now kind of having this greater idea um, and insight, I can see now that I just don't think I was ready. So when I was in treatment, I was unfortunately um, introduced to some other self-harm techniques such as cutting and burning, which never really felt like what I maybe needed, but I was just in so much pain. I was looking for some type of relief. 
um, ended up leaving that treatment program and um, ended up a few weeks later going to residential treatment program. Um, and that changed my life. I found so much comfort. Uh, I felt like a leader. I was learning skills. It was truly amazing, an amazing experience to be in this specific residential um, treatment program. And I met so many people I felt so inspired by. I felt like I could change the world. And that was actually when I decided to go back to school and change my major. Um, initially, I was planning on being a teacher, but after spending time in that hospital program, I felt like I wanted to go into human services and social work to really kind of help others um, who were struggling like me. So I ended up going back to school that um, fall and uh, I really wasn't tending to my mental health really at all. I kind of felt that this was a one and done fight and I had fought it. I had moved on. Uh, so anytime I would start to feel anxious or feel specifically depressed or um, kind of use food as coping in terms of restriction, I just shoved it down until I couldn't anymore. And I asked my therapist if I could go seek treatment over winter break, just for kind of like a brush up. Um, and between the time asking for that and the time of my intake, I not only felt like I wanted to end my life, I now had a plan. So I told the person who was doing my intake about this and I was very quickly sent into um, an inpatient unit right. uh, just to kind of stabilize, yeah, to stabilize uh, me and kind of assess my safety. And that was really hard. I was 19 at the time and the residential program that I spoke of before was an adolescent unit. So, I mean, I was 18, but I was a leader. I felt um, very powerful in that position um, of being a leader and inspired. And this was not the case for me. I was so young. I mean, at the time I didn't feel that way, but now being uh, some several years removed from it, it feels different. Um, and so I didn't really get much out of that experience. Um, I ended up going, stepping down to a partial program, went back to school um, for winter break, after winter break, and spent about a week at school until um, things just were just falling apart. Nothing really changed. The plan that I had to end my life was still very much in motion um, and kind of in my head. So it was after I failed one of my tests, I felt like I wanted to um, really go through with that plan. And instead of doing that, I just really scared myself. I just remember looking in the mirror at that moment and thinking like, wow, what am I doing? Like, I don't want to feel this way anymore, but I'm also not totally sure. Like, I want to die either. And I called my mom. She picked me up and then I took a medical leave, which was so challenging. Um, as I said before, the town that I grew up in, everyone was at college. Everyone was in college. No one took a different path. Like time off from school was not even heard of. So this was the first time I really felt myself kind of deteriorating, derailing off like what I thought was normal and what I saw for myself. Education's really been important to me. So to not have that was really um, hard and like gut wrenching in a lot of ways. Um, a few months later, I did get the opportunity to go to a different treatment program. And that time that I feel changed my life because that was when I met my therapist um, of now eight years and her name is Dina and she was my case manager. Yes, I know I talked about her a lot in the book. Um, and she actually wrote the um, forward, which is so, right. so special to me. Um, and yeah, so she, she absolutely, you know, not only the skills she was teaching me, but just the like 
just the unrelenting belief in me that, you know, taking my life was now off the table. And like, how was I going to persevere? How was I going to get my life back? And she really helped support me through that. Um, I ended up transferring schools. I went to Northeastern. It was a great fit. I'm so grateful for my experience there. I got tapped into this side of me that really loves advocacy and activism. I started my first nonprofit organization called The Beautiful Project during this time, which was had a focus on um, eating disorder awareness and um, body positivity. Um, I was doing really well. I felt like I couldn't even remember how much I was struggling. It, it felt so such a contrast. Um, and then my junior year, well, my fourth year at Northeastern, because you, you do five years there. So my fourth year, um, I went back to a goal that I had set for myself before any of this happened. Before I went to college, when I was a senior in high school, I knew I wanted to study abroad. That was really important to me. And so I didn't feel like six months abroad was really something that I was able to do at that point. Um, but I really wanted to go. So I chose um, a trip to Israel. Um, being Jewish, I was eligible to go on birthright. And um, when I went there, I was um, sexually assaulted by someone I was traveling with. And when I returned, that kind of just hit the reset on everything I had just worked on. It felt like it just totally fell apart. Uh, my mental health really, uh, as anyone could imagine, I'm sure listening to this, really crumbled. Um, and it was really through the work that I did with Dina, but also advocacy. I started a second nonprofit organization. Um, I started a photo blog, lots of different events on campus. Uh, really supporting survivors of sexual violence, and that became my outlet. Um, I ended up graduating college the next year, which was so huge for me. I never thought I would see that day, so that was really amazing. Um, and then so that was on a Friday, and then that Monday I started working at the hospital I had received treatment at, which was really, really um really special, very full circle moment. Um, and I felt like, wow, I like achieved my life goal at 22, um, which is really, really cool. Right. But um, it wasn't, it was amazing. And I'm so grateful for the experience. But I realized that maybe this one-on-one -on -one social work aspect isn't for me. Maybe this advocacy, this, this idea, um, this public health route was the way I wanted to take my life um, next. So as I said, I got my master's in public health. And while I was in grad school, I um, was struggling a lot. I mean, as much as I kind of tell the story about my time into college and these really, really deep and dark moments in my life, I mean, I still struggle um, every day. It's not uh, maybe to that extent, but it's still something that I'm living with. And um, I just started to notice how uncomfortable people are talking about mental health um, issues. I realized one-on-one -on -one, people would reach out to me, whether it was like on social media, as I am very public um, in sharing my, my story. Um, and just recognizing how much people wanted to talk about it, but were so scared to. So I decided right. that in writing writing a book or creating a book, I would pair something that's really easy to talk about, and that is food. Um, you know, everyone has a different <laughs> relationship with food, um, but it is something we all need to survive, and something you know, whether it's going out to dinner or learning new recipes. Um, people love food or they love to talk about it anyway. And so I thought that pairing recipes with stories of resilience would be a really great kind of foot in the door in terms of talking about mental health um, issues and challenges and diagnoses, medication, therapy. Um, 
so I, so I did it. I started with uh, three stories in the book and it ended up being uh, over 40. Um, I went through so many different um, like venues, I would say so many different ideas of how I was going to publish the book, how it was going to be formatted. Um, and I learned so much through the process. It took me about two years to um, complete and publish and get it out there. And I'm so proud of it. It's, it's certainly my, my favorite and biggest accomplishment to this day. Um, and I can't wait for the future of it. So yeah, that's essentially yeah. my story. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing um, your journey and how, and how, and I'm sorry, you know, for the you know, all the things you went through and, you know, the fact that it led you though to create this great book is really, is really special. And you Thank touched you. on, um, when you mentioned that, uh, one of the reasons you, you wrote the book is because you realized like people didn't want to talk about mental health. Mm-hmm. No one was, even though like everyone's touched by it, people, not everyone was talking about it. And, and it, it, it was something difficult. And once you became open about it, people, people were like, Oh, I can talk about that too. You know, you sort of right. made it safe. So what was, um, the reaction when you asked people to participate in the book, I was curious if you had any people who, you know, weren't comfortable participating or if most people were, you know, you know, were all for it or, you know, how that, how that, what about, how that happened. Yeah, that's such a great question. So I would say most people were all for it. People, many of the participants in the book, um, I've actually met through some through treatment, some through advocacy, some through college. Um, so most people, uh, I would say, felt comfortable and ready to share, which is amazing. But I think of one person in particular who really said that she was inspired by the way I, I tell my story so authentically and so vulnerable if that's a word, Um, and how that really inspired her, which is so cool. I mean, that's, I mean, that's my life goal. That's, that's awesome. That's really, really special. Um, So knowing that kind of setting and leading by example did actually help someone come forward. But for the most part, it was people who, who felt that they were in the place to share. For sure. Interesting. Okay. So there, okay. So there were some people who weren't comfortable sharing or, right. right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. No. And that, which makes sense, which makes sense. But it sounds like you, people were very positive about the fact that you were doing this. And Yeah. I, I think people great. want to talk about it. And I'm sure you, right. you recognize that too. And all the work that you do, it's so hard, but I think it, it's necessary and there is a want, even if it's not totally uh, acceptable to say that yet. Right. I mean, some, right. And, and I, I find that some people, some people definitely want to talk about it or, or some people will say, wow, yeah, my, you know, family member or friend mm-hmm. or loved one is, is impacted and they don't realize how common it is that everyone's right. affected. But then there are also the people who, you know, are hesitant to come to a mental health related event because they don't want to be seen. You know what I mean? They don't, yeah. you know, there's people run the gamut. It's, it's interesting. Totally. It's interesting. I think it's definitely changing and more and more people are becoming more open, but there are still those people that don't want anyone to know that either they or a family member, you know, is, is dealing with a mental health issue. Yes, absolutely. That's so, that's so interesting. And so great that you, you bring that up. I think um, many of the people that I am surrounded by now are very open, but it is so true. And there's still, there's a lot of work to do still, even though there has right. been a shift. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. That's how I feel. So um, no, but I'm glad to hear that so many people were, you know, were all for participating in the book. And it's such a great book. And people give, you know, great advice. Some, some people share their journeys. Some mm-hmm. people, uh, you know, and I wanted to ask you with all of the great um, people in your network sharing things, are there a top three 
pieces of advice you would give to someone who has a family member or friend living with a mental health condition? I know you have sections on resources and networks, but I, if you could distill it to sort of a top three, if someone came to you and said, my loved one is living with this and I, I don't know what to do or, or how best to handle it, which, mm-hmm. which, and I know there's no one size fits all answer, but if you had sort of a top three things to tell someone, what, what would they be? Wow. What an amazing question. <laughs> um, that's, that's such that's huge um i i totally agree you're right like not everything is gonna not one thing is gonna work for everyone i think the first thing that popped into my mind was that there is help out there and it's really hard to ask for help i think i see a lot on social media like people putting um the national suicide prevention number um online you know reminding people to give it a call if they need which is incredible and like amazing that's becoming normalized but i think that people who want to support someone, um, or at least this is what I would have wanted, want it, want to hear that it's okay to ask for help and like and that um, it's not only there, but it's um, it's going to help you. And I think that that is so huge. At least I can speak for myself. I think I really felt a lot of shame about getting help, and I think that. And a lot of that was um, really permeated through the society and the community that I grew up in, and and maybe even some some ideas through my family, just not really having ever talked about mental health issues before. So if a family member or friend um, had someone in their life who was struggling, I would say to research the help that how they can help them um, and also kind of normalize it and um, let them know that it's okay to ask for help and that um, you will be there for them. With the caveat, and this is probably my second um, piece of advice, is that there's only so much you can do as a loved one. Um, You can support them. You can uh, find different resources, maybe help them brainstorm how they're going to find help, maybe transportation. Um, but there's only so much you can do too. And making sure and supporting someone can also you know, take a toll on your mental health. So making right. sure that you know the resources and support would be my, my second piece. And something that I've been really trying to, really the message that I'm trying to share with this book um, and what I would tell someone else um, would just, I just think that um, every story is so different and yet so important. And you don't have to share that with anyone if you don't want to. But if you do, that, then there are people here to listen. Um, I found that I used to disqualify myself from so many different opportunities, speaking or volunteering for things, thinking my story wasn't good enough or bad enough in quotation marks. Um, but right. then realizing that every story is different and every story brings something new to the table and um, something valuable. Um, and that's something that I would ho- hope that someone supporting their friend or family member struggling with their mental health um, realizes and remembers that this story, they're a part of the story. And um, in a lot of ways, it doesn't have to define you. If you um, want to take this, if the family or friend or the person struggling wants to share their story with everyone, wants to create this into their life goal or mission, amazing. But um, that's not necessary either. It, it, it's so normal and um, it's nothing to be ashamed of. So right. I think that was more than three, but that's kind of how I feel, if that, if that if that makes sense. Yeah, no, thank yeah. you for sharing. That's great. Of course. Um, that's very helpful. So I wanted to know what else, I mean, you, you mentioned you've started a few organizations and obviously mm-hmm. written this book, you've done, you're just amazing that you, oh, you put your mind to something and you do it. So I wanted um, you to tell our listeners what else you have coming up uh, the end of this year and into 2020 and what, uh, where people can find your book. Yes, 
Absolutely. So I am also joining the Deconstructing Stigma campaign. So I'm very oh. excited to be awesome. beside you. Yes. Um, oh. Which is so cool. Um, so yeah, so cool. that's super exciting. Um, so that is that is definitely a big star on my calendar when that happens. Um, also, I've been doing some book signings. So as I said, I'm from Massachusetts. So um, I've been doing book signings and um, speaking events around Massachusetts. I'm also so excited to share with you and anyone listening to this podcast. Um, so I mentioned that I danced when I was growing up, but I also did theater, musical theater, grew up on stage, don't really do it anymore, but that was such a huge part of my life. And this weekend um, at my alma mater, Northeastern University, they have taken the book and they're bringing it to life on stage. Um, oh my so God. doing a show called From the Kitchen. Um, and it is a cooking show instead of a cookbook. Um, but they are giving space for people to share. And I mean, I, they, there's a script and everything. It's, it's planned. It's been rehearsed. Um, but they chose, with my help, they chose um, six stories and six recipes to perform on stage. And I am so excited. Um, so I, cool. I, I can't wait. So I'm really hoping that after this experience, I can take the script and, and bring it bring it places. I would love to go to other schools. I would love to um, bring it to different table reads. I think this is this could be really powerful. And theater, as yeah. I said, has played such a role in my life. Um, I think my go to uh, my go to thought about the book is that it just it doesn't belong on a shelf. It has so much utility, and um, I really want to to bring it to life in any way that I can. So whether it's these signings or speeches, I'm working on creating a cooking demonstration uh, while I tell tell my story and bake something. So that'll be really um, exciting. And then the show. So I'm so excited about that. Um, and yeah, awesome. maybe, maybe I'll be bringing it to a community near you. You never know. Yeah. I to give, I, that reminds me, I have to give a shout out to Michael Fine who connected yes. us. Who's yes. a great, um, just a great person and, and a great mental health advocate. Um, but yes. yeah, I should talk to him about making sure we get the show in Chicago. Yes. Oh my God. That would be incredible. And yes, Michael, you're amazing. You inspire me. Thank you. <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> yeah, no, yes. he's amazing. Yeah, um, Great. So it sounds like you have so much going on. Oh, I'm so excited. I knew you, I knew you had like stuff I didn't even know. Um, oh, that's yeah. awesome. Um, and then finally, just where can people find your book? So um, they can know what we're talking about and then also get, you know, get excited about all the stuff you have coming up uh, yes. surrounding the book. Absolutely. So my book is the best place to read more about it and purchase it is on Amazon. And you can just type in the title. You can also type in my name, which is so cool. What a what a life goal being searchable on Amazon. Um, <laughs> I'm working. I know, right? Um, I'm my website is currently under construction, but I do post often on Instagram. And um, the cookbook um, Instagram handle is um, well at and it's bake it cookbook. And that's also um, my email. If you have any questions, um, the email is bakeitcookbook at gmail.com. Um, I'm also very approachable on social media. Um, I, I want to be a uh, support and help. So feel free to reach out, whether it's through email or Instagram. Check it out on Amazon. Um, I also, it's also available online at target.com and walmart.com. Not sure how that happened, but super cool. Awesome. Yeah. Because it's an awesome <laughs> book and more people Thank want you. it. Yes, I guess so. Thank oh, you so awesome. much for reading it too. I really appreciate that. That's awesome. Oh, of course, thank of course. Yeah. No, thank you for writing it. You're reaching. I, you know, we're all in this together. You know, mm -hmm. trying to, you know, sort of be mental health advocates and share our journeys. 
yeah. um, in the hopes that we can we can you know impact other people and show that you can live a high functioning life even going through mm-hmm. some tough times and and, right. and make it through the other side. So yeah, so I uh, I feel connected to you just knowing that we've both you know gone through stuff and are trying to mm-hmm. turn it around and make it a positive. So yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. So thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to share um, before um, we? Yeah, no, I think um, I think we covered so much today. I'm so grateful. I guess I just wanted to say, um, and one other thing, uh, if you are struggling, um, as I said before, you, there is help and, and you're worth it. You deserve getting the support you need. Um, and I, I just hope that people, anyone listening, or even if you feel like you're far along on your mental health journey, um, there is, there are people there who want to support you. Um, that was such a huge thing that I needed to teach myself. And, um, now that I start to believe it, I want to spread that, um, message to everyone. So thank you for letting me say say that to your audience. I appreciate it. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I, you're echoing what I always say is that you're not alone. I know when I, in my darkest times, I felt like no one got it. And what Mm -hmm. I learned Mm -hmm. now, just exactly what you're saying is that there are so many people who understand and you're not alone. And even if you're feeling alone, know that there are so many people out there who want to help and understand what you're going through. So, right. No, that's such an important message. And I'm glad you, I'm glad you shared that. Um, Well, thank thank you you so much for taking the time to, to join us today. Um, yes, and you're so absolutely. awesome. And and oh, everyone should go get well. Dana's book and look out <laughs> for all the great things going on. Sorry, anything else? No, I just, I, you're okay. awesome. Thank you. I'm, uh, we're, no, thank you. We're vibing. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> thank you so much. Right. Uh, sure. Thank you. I hope it goes well this weekend. The, uh... Thank you. Yeah, maybe okay. Chicago next. We'll see. Yeah, that would be awesome. Okay. That would be awesome. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye.